The Rewatchables is brought to you by TheRinger.com, the world's greatest website, as well as The Ringer Podcast Network. Sean, you're lint. You're a flea. You're a blip. Dave is coming up next. Dave Kovic was an ordinary guy. Mr. Kovic, your government needs your help. We just happened to look like the president. You're a very handsome man. Thank you, Mr. President. Just get rid of the grin. You look like a schmuck. Dave, something has happened to the president. In a country where anybody can become president. Anybody just did. Kevin Klopp. Sigourney Weaver. Make a nice president, Dave Kovic. Okay, let's get back to work. All right, 25th anniversary of this movie in May. It might be the best movie of all time. I'm not sure. What in the world? (laughs) I don't know. It's The Godfather 2 or Dave. Uh, It's incredible. (laughs) 10 year old me agrees with you. Entirely. It's so good. It's so it's so satisfying and just so easy to watch and so simple and so happy and so innocent. And it just makes me happy. It's just a happy movie. Innocent is a good way to, to frame it. It feels like it's from a truly a different time. It feels like a hundred mm-hmm. years ago. Maybe a yeah. different country. Yeah. It taps into the same innocence that Clinton tapped into. I was like graduating college when he won president and um, Clinton tapping into innocence yeah. is a complicated yeah, phrase. Yeah, that would be yeah. right. How did that work out? That one. Uh, <laughs> no, but it is pre-Clintonian. Yeah. We believed in the office. And mm-hmm. you see American president with Douglas too, and then leading a West Wing with Martin Sheen. But just when we kind of believed in that as an institution, and now you watch this movie in the Trump era, and you're like, oh. Yeah. But uh, what was your reaction when you watching? I thought it was uh, uh, imp- impressive how old-fashioned it was. You know, it really was like a Frank Capra movie. And that was nice. I, I feel like we don't, I, I think one of the most often used phrases on this show is they like, they don't make movies like this anymore, but they really don't make movies like this specifically the tone of it, which is mm-hmm. like pretty earnest yeah, and pretty it's, it's light comedy. You never see light comedy anymore. It's not slapsticky. It's not meta. It's, it's like, it's, it's, it's light on its feet. Absolutely. Though I was surprised when I was rewatching that it has ideas it is not just a comedy or a romantic comedy. We should talk more about the politics. I mean, I don't know how far we want to go, but it is a rich text. It is certainly of its era, as you mentioned, Bill. I also realized I had this movie on VHS and I had The American President, which you just mentioned on VHS. And I realized that I basically learned about politics from these two movies. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a, which is, and, and I think that there are a lot of people, if you put the West Wing into that, there's a whole generation or specifically a whole generation of uh, liberal thinkers who are shaped by these movies. And I I don't know, fam. I I feel like maybe I could have gotten a fuller education, but that's also on me. Yeah, it almost makes you wonder why there weren't more president movies. Like, I I made a list of just who the best movie presidents ever were, right? Mm -hmm. Not that many people. Kevin Klein as Dave, Mm -hmm. Michael Douglas, American president, Jeff Bridges in The Contender is really, I would vote for him actually right now. Guy loved Pullman. sandwiches. He loved sandwiches. Bill Pullman, Pullman Armageddon. Yeah. Independence no, Day. No, Independence Day. I mean, Independence Day. Uh, Jack Warden and being there. Sure. And then uh, Harrison Ford in Air Force One, which yeah. gets thrown out by a lot of people as like, that's kind of what I would want for my president. There are, and then there's a lot of, there are way more way movie more. presidents. Yeah, I'm just saying that's probably my top six. Some people go Morgan Freeman in Deep Impact. I just think that's a bad movie. Okay. Like I, the movie has to be at least solid. 
for for to make my list. But um, what about Peter Sellers and Doctor Strangelove? No, Jack Nicholson and Mars Attacks. I thought of that one. Did we like Mars Attacks? No, but I think it's probably. It's one of those things that we all think we liked mm-hmm. at the time. It's, you know, the yeah, nostalgia has know. helped it. I don't know if I even thought that at the time. Kevin Klein, it's interesting. Well, I mean, I'll blow casting what ifs now. Like this was almost a Robin Williams movie for a second. And it makes a lot of sense in a lot of different ways that this would have been a Robin Williams movie. And I'm not 100% sure it would have been a disaster as a Robin Williams movie, but I'm like 90% sure. Yeah. There's a 10% chance. He actually reins it in and does Dead Poets Society, Robin Williams, and it's actually good. Um, I think it would have been fine, and it would have been a little bit more broad. You know, I think that there is, even though the premise is a little bit ridiculous in this movie, Kevin Klein being such a good and subtle actor makes it not this, like, circus show of clown ideas about American politics. You know, Robin Williams, even if even at his quietest, has still got that big face and he's so expressive and you can imagine him at the beginning of the movie coming out riding that pig and then all of a sudden you're like what what movie is this what ridiculous yeah. movie is this also how could two people look like robin williams that's <laughs> true Kevin sure. Klein is kind of yeah. a rubbery face yeah. that can yeah. fit in all over the place one, one of the big takeaways every time i watch this movie which is not not infrequent is just how much i like kevin klein oh me too i love him in the big chill i love him in this movie I love him in Grand Canyon, which isn't even really a good movie. It's pretty flawed, but he's just, every couple of years, he pops in with a really likable performance, and he's one of a kind. There's a little Tom Hanks in him. It's a little bit of like the better pieces of Robin Williams. A um, little bit of Costner, like he's a handsome leading man, but not, I I think Costner's more traditional handsome, but a mm-hmm. uh, little funny, little, like he could be the dad in a movie. He could be somebody who's having an affair with somebody in a movie, but it never seems yeah. like it's personal. He can adjust the dials. He can yes. kind of turn on 20% of Robin Williams when he needs to be riding a pig or, you know, doing a traffic stop. But he can also be earnest. He can be a romantic lead, which he is for a few moments in this. He can be a villain, which, I mean, we get to see both of them. And he is quite convincing as the actual evil Bill Mitchell. It's a good role. It was so rich. You could see you could see why movie stars wanted it, and other movie stars did want it. I'm sure we'll talk about them. I'm pretty obsessed with Kevin Klein. That's maybe a weird thing to say. Uh, we've talked about a couple of actors on our show, Amanda. We've talked about Glenn Close a lot. Um, we on a future show we talk a little bit about uh, William Hurt. Well, that's why the big the big chill. We've been circling it as a rewatchable for a long time. And and obviously Kevin Klein is in that movie too. And Kevin Klein hasn't really done the thing that William Hurt and Glenn Close have done, which is continue to try to like burnish their legacy. You know, Kevin Klein's nickname is Kevin Decline because he's turned down so many movies over the years. Kevin Klein is not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. Like he could be in one of those movies. I'm sure he's been offered them, but he doesn't take those checks. He's much more interested in doing like the seagull on Broadway. I, I'd say this very uh, hesitantly, but he seems like a happily married actor who he met Phoebe Cates and they mm-hmm. fell in love and both of them were like, cool. Let's just have some kids. Who can and blame she, like, basically stopped acting. Yes. Um, which I thought was fascinating because she was one of the best looking actresses of the 80s and could have had a really big career, I think, and just didn't care. And it didn't seem like really either of them cared. He does whatever movies he wants. He was never really driven by. I, I get the impression that he really likes the theater. He is like a theater actor through and through. So some of it is that. I think also a crucial distinction is that he was recognized a lot earlier in his career. Yes. Won an Oscar very exactly. early on. Yeah. Exactly, which is, as we have discussed over and over again on the big picture, is the 
one main distinction between him and Glenn Close. It's very true. But I think when you have recognition and you've gotten to do what you do, then it's a lot easier to be like, no, I'm just going to do a play. Yeah. He also won for a comedy, which very rarely happens. I mean, he won for A Fish Called Wanda. So, you know, you're talking about a person who kind of achieved the unachievable at like 35. (laughs) So it probably gave him a lot of capital. You know, he's basically the star of one movie every year for 15 years. And then he kind of slowly recedes from the frame. This is this his best part? Do you think? Yeah, better than the Big Chill, better than mm-hmm. a fish called Wanda. The Big Chill, he pulls off not somehow not taking it personally that Glenn Close had an affair with his friend who committed suicide in their house, <laughs> and then <laughs> when you put it like that, has yeah. sex with her roommate because right. she needs to get pregnant, and eh, it's ridiculous. And he effortlessly pulls it off, and you totally believe the whole time. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah, he'll have. He should have sex with us. <laughs> yeah, they'll have a kid. That movie's so weird. What about, Every it's time. really weird. That's a that's a three hour podcast. Maybe yeah. oh, man, I can't chill. wait for. It. I'm so ready for it. What about Silverado? Do you like that? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. What about Kasdan? Um, he yes. was kind of Kasdan's guy for a little bit. There. He was, and I think that's why he's in this movie, right? Yeah. Wasn't it Kasdan who pushed him oh, yeah. to do Dave? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Kevin Klein is just he's completely unique. There's not. I can't think of a leading man who is a serious Shakespearean-trained actor, who loves comedy, who can be romantic, who could be the president. The one thing he couldn't do is be the lead in Death Wish or something. Could, or maybe he couldn't could. Couldn't he, though? I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. But it just, yeah. I get, maybe you so don't weird. want him to be. We don't think of him that way, but those are often the people who are best in those movies when they're the most unlikely to, so to do those Ross things. So Eli Roth's Death Wish with Kevin Klein, you would have been more it, into? It probably, probably would have done would've better been. than the Bruce Willis version. Mm. Uh, he said uh, they did a story about it last year. I guess it was the 25th anniversary last May. Sorry. Said he's constantly stopped on the street by people who tell him how much they love the film. Some people just call me Dave, he quipped. Recalled walking down Fifth Avenue during W. Bush's presidency when the POTUS was visiting. There was a police escort and someone said, I wish it was you. Why didn't you run? So... Apparently, for the last 25 years, it's been a lot of, why can't you be the president? That means that movie's cut through. I think it also indicates that the movie does kind of what Amanda's talking about, which is it it makes politics seem easy. Yeah. You know, it mm-hmm. makes it seem like, and, and it and it might be. Like, it, well, it's possible that this movie has wisdom. That. We're going to talk about okay. the- Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. some nitpicks. Directed by Ivan Reitman. The great Ivan Reitman. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to rip off the run from 79 and 93. Yeah, go. This is in order. Nothing left out. Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters, Legal Eagles, Twins, Ghostbusters 2, Kindergarten Cop, Dave. It's not all home runs, but there's no outs. Pretty high batting average. Yeah. yeah. It's doubles, triples, and home runs and just an incredible amount of money. Uh, the cast is amazing in this movie. Kevin Klein, Sigourney Weaver, Ben Kingsley. Franklin Jello. My guy. Sean has whole three-minute monologue for Franklin Jello. One of the greats. Thing Rames, fresh in one of the all-time IMDb runs anyone's ever had from 92 to like 98, which we talked about in the Con Air's Rewatchable. Con Air Rewatchable. Laura Linney, or as my wife calls her, Laura Linney. <laughs> <laughs> and Charles Grodin mm-hmm. in his wig, in his giant, uh, or whatever the hell's going on with his hair. Um, Written by Gary Ross, who wrote the script while working on the Michael Dukakis presidential campaign. Mm-hmm. Nominated for an Oscar for this. Gary Ross is an interesting so, figure to break down a little bit, too. Uh, his IMDb is a little less impressive than the Ving Rames run, but he has some good ones. I mean, he wrote big. He yeah. wrote big right. and then Dave. 
Which so are, that's a pretty good start. Also, thematically, Mr. Baseball was in there. Joined. Oh, you're right. Two. There is some Mr. Baseball. I you're right. Yeah, yeah, there is some. So Reitman said, purposely put an innocence into the film as a way of trying to capture the kind of thing that Frank Capra did in his day for this period, which is really the '90s. It's amazing how the world has shifted out of it. It's much more cynical and an almost impossible place. He said that last year. So some of my so this is pre-internet, 93, mm-hmm. no internet yet. But it we doesn't been tainted by email, text, anything. But political movies before the internet were often cynical and kind of hard-bitten. Like some of my favorite movies about DC are like Advise and Consent or The Best Man or um Failsafe. Like there are movies that are about this stuff that don't have that, like I said, that kind of like effervescence that this movie has. That sort of like there's like a sweetness to this movie yeah. that it's hard to do. And I, I suspect that Ivan Reitman spending 15 years figuring out how to make stripes and twins and movies like that brought a lot to the table. Because if you're Gary Ross and you worked on Michael Dukakis's campaign, Michael Dukakis just got like annihilated yeah. in the 1988 election. And you think he came away from that a little bit sour. But this isn't really a sour movie at all. Well, I still wonder like coming out of Watergate. And then all the DC politics mm-hmm. movies were always like suspense thrillers and mm-hmm. this is going wrong and the government's out to get us. And that played out for the next 10 years and heads into the late 80s. And then, you know, people are, we win the Gulf War. People are a little happier, feeling pretty good in general. And then leads to this, like this, what led to the Clinton election. So kind of a happier time in America for a couple of years. I think it accurately. this movie happens. I think it also accurately portrays that there's actually only like a handful of people that really make decisions, you know, like it's, it's, it's Bob Alexander and and he's controlling Bill Mitchell. And that's the way that a lot of administrations well, work. Well, that might you be know? a nitpick coming up later. Okay. Yeah. The two man cabinet. Well, <laughs> well, it's Bob and Alex I mean, just running the show. But is that actually how it goes? I mean, it, it, maybe it, many times in the last two years, I've thought, wow, there's literally just three people talking to each other and they're doing everything right now. Now it's Don Jr. And what's her face? The PR lady. Kelly and Conway. Conway. Yeah. Also, yeah, also just to bring in Vice, there's a it's not dissimilar from the arrangement that is depicted in Vice, and they do a whole segment about about the unitary author- executive, which is essentially what's happening here. Yeah. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, ninety five percent. I know you care. Made sixty three million bucks. Roger Ebert, my guy, came through. Three and a half stars. Right. Boom. There we go. He said, this movie is more proof that it isn't what you do. It's how you do it. Ivan Reitman's direction and Gary Ross's screenplay use intelligence and warm-hearted sentiment to make wonderful, lighthearted entertainment. Maybe you, go, can, Roger. maybe you can apply that it isn't what you do, it's how you do it axiom to Roger Ebert's entire career when you talk about him on this show Listen, and I, respect what he did. The archives don't lie. <laughs> I'm just here to tell what the archives say. It isn't about two stars. It's what's inside the two stars. Should mention Ben Kingsley's 1993. I told this to Sean earlier. Okay. Dave Schindler's List, Searching for Bobby Fischer. Murderer's <laughs> Row. What a trio. Good for him. It's like a slider trio. Just really great good. cheeseburger sliders. Fantastic. Um, I'm with Sean. I don't think they make this movie anymore. Or if they do, it's a TV show. They yeah. just decide that the upside, financial upside TV show is just better than a two-hour movie. Right. And then it's what? Like a Netflix sitcom? It's like, an, not, it's like an ABC following The Bachelor, yeah. the premiere of Dave, and it's bad. Because, you know, as Sean said, that's kind of the miracle of this movie, and especially Kevin Klein's performance is like, this premise could be a studio comedy, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, we got a fake president. And then it's just two hours of hijinks, and everyone goes on their merry way. 
And this does have a little more substance to it. But I think, I mean, for a variety of reasons, it would be impossible to do now in any other way than like total slapstick or satire or I mean would it be impossible to do now well I mean that's right no I know it's like but it would be so extreme conspiracy corner is going to be so insane President Mitchell versus President Trump compare and contrast oh boy I mean I just think Bill Mitchell feels so clearly based on George George H.W. Bush and George H.W. Bush was a bureaucrat you know and there was a kind of like blankness to the idea of politics back then, there was like, it's extremism is is the mode of the day. So if you made a movie right now about a, a president who was like kind of a prick behind closed doors, but was just real politician-y in front of the cameras, and then you replaced him with someone, it would feel odd. It would feel like out of place. That's just not what the conversation about politics is right now. Well, we had the last two years of Reagan, which God knows how checked right. out he was at that point, mm-hmm. followed by four years of Bush. And right. nobody really knew how hands-on he was either, at least to this movie. Um, we should mention the Clinton part of this. A big theme of this movie is the president and the first lady are pretending to have this marriage. And then as soon as the door closes, mm-hmm. she's just really, really hates him. And and vice versa, we should say. True. Well, they she have does contempt say, for each other. Yeah, they yeah. have contempt for each other. She does say... Why can't you die from a stroke like everybody else? That's, I mean, that's true. pretty harsh. That's yeah. true, but he's also word. he has a stroke while uh, sleeping with another woman who is one in a who long line of quote patriotic secretaries. Yeah, that's great. That's great so line. you know yeah. it's, it's disrespect going both ways. True. Um, this is also pre Lewinsky. Lewinsky is not until 1995. So it, we had known people, about Paula Jones and things like that. There was some awareness of. Bill Clinton as a potential philanderer. But, but in 91 and 92, the people were suspicious of the marriage. Well, even yeah. Then, that yeah. It well, was it's after the Gary Hart scandal, yeah. which fig- right. figures prominently in the whole Dukakis actually running a campaign situation. Right. So I think it's in many ways written with that idea and also the public-private stuff in the forefront. It mm. also, they, you know, they mention the tunnels and they say LBJ used the tunnels all the time. So it's in the public yeah. consciousness that uh, presidents don't always do uh, what they say they do in public. Mm. Yeah, I do feel like Clinton bled into this movie a little bit. Because because you figure they wrote it in 91, 92, which is when he was running for president then when he got it. And they start basically filming it probably at tail end of 92. And at that point, people were at least like, what's this marriage like? That was the first time I'd ever really remembered people kind of debating what somebody's marriage was like who was the president. I don't know if it happened with like Richard Nixon and Pat Nixon. You mean like questioning the marriage? Just like the general public going, what's going on with that marriage? You think they actually like sleep in the same bed? Like these were conversations we had in 92. I do feel like there was a major fixation on Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan, but they, by all accounts, had a functional marriage. Very happy marriage. Yeah, Yeah. and kind of played to the the crowd on that. So I guess— it's different when when you have suspicions. I think it was largely historically since the TV era, either disinterest or, which is I think totally Richard Nixon and Pat Nixon. I mean, there was a lot of writing about Pat Nixon at the time, but nothing that kind of withstood the test of time or this like idolatry that comes with Camelot and Jackie and JFK and the sort of like the, the American ideal of, of the perfect mm-hmm. couple. And that obviously was all a lie. Mm. But the way that we thought about that marriage is totally, I mean, think about how we think about Trump and Melania now. Like, just set aside the God, politics. Yeah. Just, like, think about how we think about their marriage. Like, it, it has it connotes, like, no respect. There's not even, like, any intrigue, really. It just feels so arranged that people yeah. don't even really consider it that way. Yeah. 1993 Best Actor. Tom Hanks, Philadelphia, he won. Daniel Day-Lewis, in Name of the Father. Lawrence Fishburne, What's Love Got to Do With It? 
Anthony Hopkins, the remains of the day. Liam Neeson, Schindler's List. <laughs> Loaded. <laughs> I went into that research part of this going, why the fuck didn't Kevin Klein get nominated? Then I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. All five of those people could have won and you'd have been like, yeah, makes sense. Fishburne was amazing he in is. that movie. Hopkins is probably the weak link and he's good in the remains mm-hmm. of the day. Like that's, I'm fine with that yeah. one. So sorry, Kevin Klein. Uh, I didn't check the supporting actor to see if Ving Rhames got robbed because I think I like, <laughs> I like Ving Rhames' performance maybe more than those most. Uh, let's, uh, let's hop to the categories. Most rewatchable scene. I have six, but feel free to add some. The scene when Dave becomes Mitchell's stand-in when they teach him and he runs into the guy and then he goes out and he does the God bless America. Oh, that's yeah. just really Great good. Great stuff. God bless you. God bless America. It has the right dramatic tone. It's just really fun. Um, when he comes out of the stroke as the prez, um, by the way, should we just mention what happens in this movie really quick? Sure, you want to yeah. see it? seen it, right? I so hope ba- so. Please watch Dave if you haven't. Dave's amazing. By the way, Dave is on HBO Go. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on all those things. Um, you can watch it right now. So President Mitchell, evil president, doesn't really talk to his wife, has the two-person cabinet, has a stroke while having sex with Laura Linney. His secretary. His secretary. Um, Dave, also played by Kevin Klein, had been his stand-in so the president could have sex with his secretary. They bring Dave back, and they decide he's going to pretend to be the president for a little while. And then he decides he likes it. It's a great premise for a movie. The reasons why are really interesting, too. I mean, one, Dave runs a temp agency in his regular life, so his job is just to get people short-term jobs. He has been hired for a short-term job. Yeah. And then, two, the reason that they want him to stay is because they think that the vice president, who would stand to become the president if the president dies, is a buffoon. And Bob Alexander, who runs his chief of staff, played by Frank Langella. Who's is, basically Dick Cheney, but we don't realize it yes, yet because we exactly. haven't had Dick Cheney yet. Yes, a power-hoarding master Machiavellian manipulator who wants to continue to control the office. And the way to do that is to put some rube who looks just like Bill Mitchell into the mm-hmm. office. Though Dick Cheney was, in fact, George H.W. Bush's chief of staff. I believe he was the secretary of defense. Yeah, I don't oh, think he, he was. was. Who he was, was he chief of staff? He was chief of staff for, for Gerald Ford. Gerald yeah. Ford. Okay. Anyway, maybe they know it's Dick Cheney is all I'm saying. So, there, I'm I sure have, I'm sure it informed yeah. it. Dave is Mitchell's stand in second one is the montage when President Mitchell's feeling better, though I once caught a fish <laughs> this big. Yes. I love happy montages mm-hmm. and it's then really good. the way they cut to the shows on that makes me feel feel nostalgic for the early 90s where it's like the McLaughlin group. And so it's just really edited nicely and then using real senators to weigh in. Yeah. It, that's just and then a really it finishes with him throwing out the first pitch at the Orioles game. At Camden which, Yards. Which is amazing. Also, is that real? Like, did they have the... Oh, yeah. I guess I that was so. still in the yeah. era where yeah. they would just rent out Camden Yards and it's really I suspect that what they did is they yeah. did before it right before a game, before a game yeah. started. Yeah. yeah. So that's two. Another one. Dave fixes the budget in four minutes. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in so, movie history. Yeah. We're going to get back yeah. to that. Uh Fourth scene, Dave fires Bob Mitchell and gives the job speech about his new jobs mm-hmm. initiative, which is a little flimsy. We'll get to that one later. <laughs> Everyone gets a job. All right, cool. Um, he pitched scene. socialism, just for yeah, the record. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Fifth scene is uh, his last speech in the stroke as Bob Mitchell's having the party mm-hmm. where everybody leaves. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing five minutes. 
And I'm making this its own scene. Take care. Dave. Yeah. I would have taken a bullet for you. That, for me, is the most rewatchable scene in the movie. It gets me every time. It is, I love male on male, just guys getting to that Shawshank beach hug place. It's so good. Ving Rams, he wouldn't have taken a bullet for him or wouldn't even eat the sandwich Dave was making him by the end of it. He's like, I would have taken a bullet for you. Great stuff. It was It was the, uh, I took your voice because it yeah. was you I looked I up to like, of 1993. So recently, and here I am again talking to you guys, listening to you guys talk about men not really expressing their emotions. I have one more. So good. Okay. The when Dave and Sigourney Weaver are pulled over by the cops. That was where and I was going sing, to. Um, he does the club med routine and I then they sing tomorrow. Her, her voice is so bad in it, I left it out. But, but it's I knew great. You, I That's knew bring the it point. Up, so I was fine. It's Tomorrow, tomorrow, we love you. Tomorrow, you're only a day away. Thank you. It makes me laugh every time. And then when the cop kind of flashes the the flashlight in Kevin Klein's eyes, be like, is he drunk? And he's just like, I'm okay. And just keeps singing. The comedic timing is really perfect. And also... I basically hate live singing, so that I'm picking that as my favorite scene mm. shows you how well uh, they convey it. So that's your most rewatchable scene? I think so. I love the montage. It's very hard to turn down the montage because, and, you know, when he throws his arms up at the end on the mound, very exciting. But yeah, what I'm do you going have? with it. Uh, this is a nominee, but it wouldn't be my pick. But when they visit the children's homeless shelter, it's great. when he yeah. goes to talk to the little and kid, and he goes yeah. down and sits to talk to the little kid, I was like, "Wow, this is really hokey, and yeah. it's working really yeah. well in yeah, there right yeah, now." Yeah, yeah. Um, when he tells the press to walk away, guys, not now. Like, it's just really effective. It's just you have to be a great actor to make that stuff not seem um, schmaltzy. And Robin Williams definitely botches that scene. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean, Williams. well, the magic trick alone is just like, you know, handkerchiefs everywhere. Yes, exactly. It would have been so yeah. over the top. So I'm going with, I would have taken a bullet for you. If it is not considered a scene, I go with the fixing the budget in four minutes. Yeah. Um, basically, it starts out, he realizes there are delinquent defense contracts that they're still paying the people who haven't delivered the thing. And it's like, well, what if we don't pay them? That saves $23 million a month. And they're like, yeah, I guess we can do that. He's like, all right, cool. Start, start adding stuff. He has to get to $650 million to save the homeless. Then he's like, hey, so here's this car marketing campaign yeah. we have. So we're spending $47 million to make people feel better about a car they already bought. Why are we doing that? They're like, I don't know. Cool. There's another forty. Yeah. And then three minutes later, he's like, carry over the two, six fifty six. I'm like, yeah, Dave. It's so crazy. Uh, I love that scene. Can we play the the moment when he says, I don't want to tell some eight-year-old kid he's got to sleep in the street because we want people to feel better about their car. Yeah. Do you oh want to God. tell them that in the Secretary of Commerce? No, sir. No, I sure don't. So we're spending $47 million so that somebody can feel better about a car that they've already bought? Yes, sir, but I wouldn't characterize that way. No, no, I'm sure that's important, but I don't want to tell some eight-year-old kid that he's got to sleep in the street because we want people to feel better about their car. Do you want to tell him that? No, sir. No, I sure don't. Such a great scene. And yeah. you're right. And the cabinet's rooting for it by the end. They're like, yeah. Everyone's cheering. <laughs> right. When they walk and they're all exiting the meeting and they're all like shaking his hand like, Mr. President, well great done, job. sir. Great job. Makes that <laughs> yeah. office look so easy. So, I uh, love that scene. Can I just ask like, 
isn't it possible that balancing the budget is this easy? Oh that, boy! That if we looked at all the pork that's in every bill in the in the goddamn U.S. Congress, and we were like, just strip it out, just strip it out, wouldn't we be able to get like a billion dollars out in the drop Seems of a like hat? We could. Yes, totally. Though you now sound like every person on talk radio right now, which is sort of the (laughs) fundamental problem of it. And you're just going to do it to pick your causes and not. I mean, that's the thing. I I mean, it's great because he cuts a lot of money to help the homeless, which is something that I think I don't want to speak for you guys, but we all agree that that's a good thing to do. But I wish it would happen in LA. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. But it is what I want to do is spend more money out, on people feeling better about their cars. Yeah. I feel like that's something we're missing <laughs> in this country right now. Also, like, did, did we really have a campaign that did that? I don't. It must How be based on something. It must be. Can based I just on say, something. like, a personal anecdote? My husband recently got a new car and wasn't feeling great about it, and I found myself performing this service for free in my <laughs> real life. So that is something that you can do for the people yeah. in your life, and we don't That's have to spend forty-three million. It costs forty-seven it. million emotional dollars. Yes, yeah. it does. Hey, uh, Hulu is paying some of the league's best players a lot of money to do some pretty crazy stuff. Joel changed his name from the process to Joel. Hulu has live sports and bead. Damian Lillard got a tattoo that says Hulu has live sports. Clearly, they really want you to know that Hulu has live sports. Hulu plus live TV offers 60 plus live and on-demand channels, tons of shows, movies, exclusive originals. Get rid of cable, switch to Hulu plus live TV for only $45 a month. Watch your favorite teams and the biggest games all season with no cable required. Watch on the go. And on all your favorite devices, restrictions apply. Learn more at Hulu.com. Some of the movies we do on the rewatchables end up on Hulu every once in a while, as well as The Bachelor, Survivor. I think that, I don't know, is The Challenge on there? Can't remember. You're asking the wrong some guy. The, some you got to ask 28-year-old like me. Check out Hulu. All right. What's aged the best? The cameos are just tremendous. I just wrote down some of them. Oliver Stone, Tip O'Neill, Jay Leno, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the McLaughlin Group. Early Camden Yards, Camden Yards, like two years in. Ben Stein, uh, Paul Simon, not the politician, that goes on and on. Um, it feels like a movie that is very 1993, which mm-hmm. I like. It's only missing like the fake SNL sketch where like uh, Phil Hartman's doing Kevin Klein. That would have like been the last yeah, piece, but it fun. feels like very trapped in that year. So that'd be one. Um, I'd say, if you've ever seen the look on someone's face when they get a job, like that whole riff just gets me. It's a good one. I like okay. Ke- mm-hmm. I think Kevin okay. Klein does that. Uh, the Clinton Hillary Perils we mentioned. The soundtrack slash music is really good and mm-hmm. happy and just kind of perfect. Also feels completely of a of a moment. Yes. It reminds me of the when we did the firm and the score in that movie where you like right. you just don't they don't do those kinds of scores I feel like anymore. they've stolen the music from this movie and put it in other movies. Maybe in other trailers. Yeah, or trailers yeah, or yeah. whatever. Uh, Bob Alexander, we'll get to him later. Just a phenomenal Iconic villain. character. They show the Kevin Klein Sigourney Weaver wedding photo next to his bed, <laughs> and it's basically their ice storm photo, but they hadn't done the ice storm yet. It's really weird. Watch for it. It's that's, aged spectacularly. He's even got the sideburns. Oh, it's that's like, great. Whoa, ice storm. Yeah. Uh, foreshadowing. Of, of a movie that we all love. And then last but not least, for me, you guys can feel free to add, the Kevin Klein Ving Rhames scenes. You're really <laughs> emotional about great. this. Yeah. It's so good. Do and you Ving wish Rames, you had like a body man? What's going on here? I just love Ving Rhames in this movie. Okay. To, that he plays like Marcellus and the Kiss of Death guy and all these crazy <laughs> characters later. And he's yep. just this straight out thing. Uh, 
I love when he's like, his sweaters would make my neck look too thick. Oh, yeah. That you just part of sweet. Should I get it's a sweater good, vest? Yeah. It's a sweet friendship. Uh, anything else, Age, the best for you guys? Hmm. I think. And DC always. These, any movie with DC. I read a bit all people saying that this is one of the only movies that realistically portrays what it's like to drive around DC. And most of the time when you have a movie set in Washington, DC, it's like, and then we went from. Potomac to this street, and it, that that would be virtually impossible. It's something we point out in nitpicks with New York all the time in movies, and well, that this yeah. one is an accurate rendition of that. Yeah, they don't go that many places, so that might be part of it. I don't know. I've never lived in between. D.C., yeah, so I couldn't say. What else? Anything? I mean, can Kevin Klein's performance be a, a part of this? Sure. I just think you know we've we have kind of established this, but it, he just walks a fine tonal line in this that. Not many people could pull off and is basically its own brand of comedy that we yeah, haven't really seen with, that much of. What's mm-hmm. this movie with Richard Gere as Dave? Oh, no. Boring. No way. I mean, he's Richard Gere. I wish him well, but I don't want to vote for Richard Gere for president or kind of what arrange my life. movie right now, who's playing Dave, that you feel the best about? Who's playing Dave? So you need a guy who's about 50 years old? Is that what you're looking? 45, 50? I was going to say, we should talk about their ages. You could gray the hair a little bit. Yeah. I think they're in their 40s. I think Klein, I think Dave is supposed to be younger than Mitchell in this movie. Definitely. Because they gray his hair. So he's supposed to be like 10 years younger. Um, Affleck? No. I don't think he is the most trustworthy face. Although maybe that makes him a perfect politician. I don't know if he could pull off the humor well enough. Affleck, oh, I disagree. I think he's hilarious. Could yeah. you pull that like hail to the? But yeah, are we trying, I think so. Are we trying to so. do the same yeah, yeah. type of humor? What has he done? More... What has he been funny in? Every commentary on Kevin Smith movies, which well, are like the funniest. That's fucking... actually him. I'm saying, <laughs> playing yeah, his character. but let him oh, be I don't himself. Know. John Hamm, definitely. John Hamm as Dave. I think that would be good. All right, John Hamm, make it happen. I feel uh, like we put John Hamm up for every role, yeah. and we're like, if we remade this, and we just land on John Hamm every time, is that true? Yeah, like half the time. Okay. So I'm going with the uh, with the cameos for me is age the best. The Oliver Stone one is really excellent. Incredible, so funny. Great job by Oliver Stone. Did agree to do that. Getting out of it quickly, so it doesn't like beat the joke in the ground. Um, what's age the worst? This movie gets better as it is going. The first 25 minutes, I think, are and I don't think it's bad. It's just probably the weakest part. And then, really, I, from the moment Mitchell goes down, the movie takes off. Completely agree. At the first 15 minutes of it, I realized how many times I had just caught this movie after it had started yeah. on HBO. That's I was why like, it's a great I don't remember the beginning at all. Yeah. But then when we were 25 minutes in, I was just doing the lines. Like, I just knew everything. And it just, that's a new experience. Like, that is a, an, something that doesn't happen anymore. Because I don't think people are just kind of tuning into premium cable to watch movies as much as they used to. Yeah. And so the I idea agree. of just not remembering him coming in on the pig at the car dealership, and that's Stephen Root actually right there in a cameo yeah. as well. Um, indicates that it's like it is truly from a bygone era. Chuck Roden's wig or whatever's going on. It's a fuller head of hair than he probably ever had at any point of his career. I don't know what's happening. This is a a pretty weird corner for you. Your the obsession wig. with Charles Grodin's hair. No, just hair when actors all of a sudden have full heads of hair. I'm always like, come on. <laughs> come on. I gotta say that like this is that's the most time I've ever spent with Charles Grodin on screen because like I said, I had Dave on VHS. So it looks normal to me. I don't know okay. any other Charles Grodin. Right. Um, yes. Although the point that you made that if you look back at movies that he was sure. in in the late seventies, he's losing his hair and then all of a sudden he's got uh, It's like McConaughey. McConaughey is like big flowing locks now. 
What are you um, trying to say, Bill? What's age the worst? One more. Jay Leno. So Jay Leno pops this movie. He's like, what is it with President Mitchell lately? I mean, has this guy been having too many Happy Meals or what? Is that the punchline? Like, that's yeah. the yes, punchline of his joke. Is this guy having too many Happy is, Meals yeah, or yeah. what? And that, then he goes, I mean, geez. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, Jay Leno was bad. That, it was just, just really, he was bad. Are you going to do your whole spiel about how when he was on Letterman, he was like a legend, but then he I mean, went I can. to. I'm good. That's I've the, heard it. That, that's, don't. I can't. I, I'll do it for Craig later. Okay. <laughs> Craig, I got you. This is 26 years ago. 26 years ago, Jay Leno sucked. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Because we think of him in like 2005 or pushing out Conan or then pushing Conan out a second time, like all of that stuff that happened. But it's like, he was not funny in like 1993. He was amazing in the 80s. I stand by 80s Jay Leno. Okay. Okay. Casting what ifs. Warner Brothers wanted a box office star and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was batted around at one point. That's weird for a variety of reasons. I think he definitely could have pulled off the Laura Linney cheating scenes, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, wow, you're really, yeah. really lighting maybe the flame in this one, huh? Uh, both Warren Beatty and Kevin Costner were considered for the role. And Beatty took it seriously enough. He decided not to do it, but brought Dave to Ivan Reitman. Mm-hmm. And that's how Ivan Reitman got the movie. Interesting. Costner is interesting. I don't think it works. He was certainly had the most power he was ever going to have in his career. And right around the time they're making this movie, he basically plays Bob Alexander in 13 days. So yeah. he's, he's got some interest in the executive branch. Robin Williams was considered for the lead. We mentioned Kevin Klein almost turned it down because he thought the character was too close to the fish called Wanda character. I don't, I don't really see that. One. I didn't either. I read that too. And Seems I couldn't like understand what he was saying. Yeah. Deanne waiters award. This was tough. Groden's in it. Ving Rames. It's not really a heat check, but I, so. But I just wanted to mention him. And then, I think my choice is Oliver Stone. He's in the movie for twenty seconds, and he makes like seven threes. I have an. I have another nominee. Let's hear it. Uh, Bonnie Hunt. Oh yeah, oh, we're yeah, walking. We're walking, and we're stopping. Too. We're walking. He's walking. He's. Bob Alexander, our White House Chief of Staff. I can't believe it. What an honor, really, for all of you. We're walking. 42 presidents and their wives. That, yeah. that scene is really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she's pretty good, too. What? All right, I'll, I'll give it to Bonnie Hunt. Uh, actually, I'll wait to the next category. Half-Fast Internet Research. The film's Oval Office set was reused more than 25 times. Yeah, so can I be really nerdy for a second? Yeah. So... And this makes sense, right? Because we've seen a million pictures of the Oval Office. So obviously it looks the same and it is very similar to real life. The residence in this movie is like no other White House residence on film that I've ever seen. And I'm obvi- I'm comparing mm. them specifically with American President and the West Wing. Yeah, which, like the sleeping quarters. The sleeping quarters, okay. like the residence and especially the president's bedroom, mm-hmm. which figures prominently in the American President for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And then is also in the West Wing because they, he takes meetings there. It's not surprising that two Sorkin projects have the same West Wing bedroom, obviously, but they it's the exact same. And so when I was watching this again, I was like, wait a second, that's not what the president's bedroom looks like. It's totally different. Mm. That's all. Which is nicer? Well, I would say that the Sorkin one looks a bit more livable. This one's quite large. I don't know what they're doing with the spatial relationships in it. I like thought the, it was pretty jamming. It the, was like full of red velvet. Yeah, but the bed's like really, really far from all the other furniture. I know. I always wanted to have a bedroom like that. Okay. There, was like, you there like, was like a living room. Do gymnastics in the middle of yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Okay. Who knows what I'll get anyway, into in that bedroom, sorry. you know? 
Jesus. Uh, <laughs> the Pelican Brief, Hot Shots Part Deux, and Absolute Power among the movies filmed there in the 90s. Um, Hot Shots Part Deux, when are we doing that on Rewatchables? Never. <laughs> Did Bill Clinton approve of this film? Uh, I'm sure. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, this gives like hope and optimism yeah. to the office of the presidency. Right. He gave Ross a framed sh- script, which he had autographed, writing that it was, quote, funny, often accurate lampooning of politics, and then gave Gary Ross a picture of himself holding a Dave mug. <laughs> He's like, I really liked that Laura Linney scene. That was great. <laughs> uh, Can't really trust any time Bill Clinton yeah. says he likes something because he's sort of famously full of shit, so— Barack Obama once told Klein, I love Dave. I love watching it when I'm depressed because you make it look so fun. You make it look so easy. I think if our current president saw the movie, he'd be rooting for Mitchell. Barack Obama quote. Did Barack Obama say the last part or yes. did Kevin Klein say the last That's part? Kevin I read Klein this saying what Barack Obama said. I know, but me. I felt like the quote, I read this too. And I felt like the Obama quote ended with, like it could be fun, and then Kevin Klein added like, the other part. I, like, I mean, like, I don't know. That's a punctuation issue, but I think there's something weird about Barack it. Obama saying, "I like this movie because it made that job seem fun." It's like he did that job for eight years. Yeah. Who cares how he what a movie has to say about it? He knows better than anybody what it's actually like. You think Kevin Klein's full of shit? Barack Obama? Are we sure he was good? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, a musical based on the movie opened in 2018. Oh, so President Mitchell's stroke. Apparently, this really happened. Nelson Rockefeller, the former vice president, New York governor, died in 1979 at the age of 70 during an encounter with his 22-year-old assistant, Megan. I thought you were going to say the part where they had a substitute president for a while, but no, wasn't I, like I would like so to talk about that. But Rockefeller wasn't in office, though, was he? I don't. Th- I'm um, not, I don't think he was in office when this happened. Who knows? I think that that scene of a of a politician having a stroke while having sex with his younger assistant is inspired by Nelson Rockefeller. But I don't yes, think that we inspired. ever found a Nelson Rockefeller lookalike and then brought him out in front of the people of New York and said, hey, look, it's Nelson Rockefeller. That part did not happen. Okay. Can but I- um, Woodrow okay. Wilson, mm-hmm. 1919. This mm-hmm. is good. I feel like I'm in history class with Dr. Bill. Two years into his second term, stroke, semi-paralyzed, partially blind, mentally incapacitated, this is crazy because I never wife, really knew yeah. this to an extent that a century later, it's still not completely known how bad he was incapacitated. 25th Amendment had not been ratified yet. So instead of just passing the presidency on, his wife took the presidency for yeah. the last two years. This seems like the greatest 100 years ago Hulu series we can have, basically. <laughs> right? Hulu. We talked about Hulu earlier. Get on this. The Woodrow Wilson story. Min on this. The first lady in 1919 taking things over? Should we end the pod and open final draft up? What do you yeah. want to do? <laughs> so they added the scene where Dave and the first lady were presidential impersonators late in the shoot. He didn't buy that. Reitman didn't buy that uh, those two would click like that. He felt like they needed something leading to that scene. Yes. I, Which makes sense because you, you can't go from like, I hate you to you're a stranger to... Hey. Totally. And maybe I should save this for nitpicks. I would argue that I, I'm I love that scene. It's my most rewatchable scene. But I would argue that the Sigourney Weaver character like turns still turns around pretty quickly. It's just like he makes her a sandwich and then she's like, why don't we just keep this coup going for a while? I don't know. But think of it this way. You're okay. in, you're in a relationship and it's going bad. 
There's something native about the person that you're drawn to, that you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. There's a reason you're in the relationship. But the person has changed and they have gone, they've gone crooked and you lose your connection to them. And then someone comes along who is the sweet and decent version, maybe even the better version of the person you fell in love with who in the first exactly place. Who looks exactly like him. Who mm-hmm. looks exactly like him. Mm-hmm. And he appears before you mm-hmm. and he seems attracted to you. I don't know. That seems like a good situation. I, we can talk about the relationship aspect about this as well. I, but I don't totally disagree with you or I at least understand the mental tricks that her mind is playing to be like, sure, yeah. why not? This sandwich is great. And we sang together. And I don't want to think about the fact that my real legal husband is in a coma, like <laughs> under the tunnel somewhere. So let's do this. That's fine. But the part where she's like, what if I gave you one more shot to be the president and issue majors legislation? And also, she's, at that point, complicit in it, which we'll talk more about the legal ramifications of this plot. I don't know. That guy balanced the budget, though. Why not trust him? <laughs> Very freaking likable. <laughs> that was before they made up. He balanced the budget. Yeah, that's we true. We do live he in a world where, budget. like, somebody falls in love with Ted Bundy on death row and ends up showing <laughs> up and having kids with him. I mean, like, you can't— I get the attraction. You can't figure out what happened. I Very understand true. the attraction. I'm just wondering about the part where she just— you know, signs on to the illegal. Maybe she saw something operation. in that shower that she just. Oh yeah, she a I'm, more we're going to talk about. We that should too. discuss um, that. But right. also, yeah. she also wa- watched, and she learned that this guy knows how to do magic too. Think about how fun that would be. I understand why she's drawn to him. Do you? Wouldn't it be weird if you guys were uh, observing your spouse in a situation and they, you knew your spouse didn't do magic, and then they just did a magic trick for a child? Wouldn't you be like? the fuck was that move bro like when did you learn how to do magic they're together for 30 years i have no idea uh last internet research thing ivan reitman's wife and son are the wife and son of vice president nance as he's being sworn at the end the son is jason reitman he became a famous director so you can look for jason reitman in the announcing all right apex mountain kevin klein hmm so this is objective right this is not personal opinion when did he have the most Power? When did he have the most success? When was his career going the absolute best? So you could say a fish called Wanda, but yeah. now you have this. So you have that coming off this. I right. would say he has more power after this. I think it's Grand Canyon. Because he's already got an Oscar, but it's not so far removed from his Oscar. This is like five years after the Oscar. Grand Canyon's a movie about somebody that made a wrong turn leaving a Laker game. <laughs> Yeah, it's my life every goddamn day when I drive home on the 101. It's like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have taken that left. Uh-oh, guys are coming at me. It plays on every fear of everybody leaving the Staples Center that there's a detour, and then you just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I vote yes, you guys vote no. Frank Langella? Oh, my God. Is this where we talk about Frank Langella? We can talk about him right yeah. now. Frank Langella, my, my actorly god. Uh, Frank Langella has been a lot of different guys. Over time, Frank Langella in the seventies was Dracula. He was like a hit. That's how I know him in a Dracula movie. So I saw the movie in the theater. I'm not sure. I mean, he was the star of Mel Brooks' first movie, The Twelve Chairs, which is a really good movie that not a lot of people have seen. I would encourage people to buy the Mel Brooks Blu-ray set. It's fucking amazing. It's like fifty bucks for all of Mel Brooks' movies. Um, He's on a Showtime show right now, and he's really good in it. It's called Kidding. Him. Falling for Whoopi Goldberg is in the running for me for weirdest celebrity couple of the last 30 years. I don't know if it's the winner, but it at least should be mentioned. The power time. of Eddie. Yeah. Eddie. Great movie. There, <laughs> a lot of a lot of great things happened from it. Uh I love him in this movie because he dials it up 
mm-hmm. where it's like, at some point he said to Ivan Reitman, should I scale it back? And Ivan Reitman's like, no, no, go for it. Like that scene when, when Dave's balancing the budget and it cuts to Frank Langella and he's just looking at the window and he's like bulging his eyes like a freaking maniac. <laughs> uh, he really dials it up. I go yes for Frank Langella. This is like his signature move, his signature performance in my opinion. I agree with that. I don't know if this was the apex of his career. But it's his it's his most fun performance. I guess maybe Dracula was his apex. Dra- Dracula's probably his apex. Probably his apex. Nobody else in this movie is apex mountain worthy. Sigourney had peaked. What about Kevin Dunn? Yeah, maybe he's he he's coming up. Okay, we can go to him right now in the Joe Pantoliano Award. Kevin Dunn. I never knew his name was Kevin Dunn until I started researching the movie. Really? Yeah, he was for me. He was always that guy from Dave and Mad Love with Drew Barrymore, which I know a man has seen. He's had a good career. Have I? Drew Barrymore and Chris O'Donnell, they had a mad love. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's how they sold it in the room. (laughs) Good stuff. That's good. Uh, He's been, Kevin Dunn has been in a lot of stuff. He's one of those guys. He is truly that guy. Uh, Yeah. Mississippi Burning, Hot Shots, 1492, Chaplin, Dave, Beethoven Second, Little Big League, Nixon. Chain Reaction, Picture Perfect, Godzilla, Stir of Echoes, Snake Eyes, I Heart Huckabees. He's in a bunch of the Transformers movies. I mean, Warrior. Like, he's in a lot of movies. And he's been on Veep for the last five years. And he's really funny on Veep. You're saying we should call it the Kevin Dunn Award? I mean, it's he is... he is he, Hall he, of Fame, he, that guy. He, he really is. Yeah. There were no other candidates for this award. The Saul Rubinek They Knew Overacting Award. For me, it comes down to Grodin or Langella. Because Langella really dials it up a couple times as much as I loved him in this. I don't really know what Grodin's going for in this movie. I think it's one of his worst performances. I love Charles Grodin. I don't really get it. Is this guy like partially brain damaged? Is he, what is going on <laughs> with Murray? I think he's just really well, stressed out. Well, and he's also supposed to be the audience stand-in, right? right. Of being like, really? We're doing this? He's supposed to be the skepticism in the... In this movie. He has my f- single favorite line reading in the whole movie, which is after he helps him balance the budget and he puts him and he sends him off out in his car. And then Groden says, Get out of here as fast as you can. And it's like, that is how most people would react to the situation. Yeah. And I liked when they're about to balance the budget and he starts ordering food. And then it's like, how about some bratwurst with some mustard? <laughs> Charles Groden's like, what's going on here? Charles Groden's like, I love bratwurst. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who wins this one? Who overacts in this movie? I think it's most? Frank Langella. When Frank Langella yeah. like, he's not a president, he's an ordinary person. I yeah. can kill an ordinary person. Can kill a like, hundred. That's that, that's pretty. That's, he's, he's going for it. It's a great rhythm, though. He's really bringing his own spin. To yeah, it. he's a theater actor. Yeah. All right, producer Craig was really excited for this category. Picking nits. I mean, there's fair some, enough. There, there are many. Yeah. There's some holes in this movie. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I don't know if there's a hole. Yeah, it comes together, but if you just start unraveling anything, you know. Counterpoint. If, what if there's not? Okay. What wow. if this is perfect? Okay. It is perfect. Well, it's <laughs> the second best movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, Picking nit number one. They found a body double for the president so he could have sex with a staffer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a I mean, weird. I mean, <laughs> couldn't have just done that anyway? 
Some good point. But no, it is really true because he's was just, just coming like, in and out of Clinton's office multiple times. Yeah, this is a good point. Though, can we just talk about the concept of a body double more generally? It's ludicrous. Oh, I was going to say, I definitely think this has happened before oh. in American history. Not Speak on twice. it. <laughs> Why is this? I mean, not for the purpose of. Not in the internet era. Not in the internet era and not for the purpose of the president staying in the hotel. There was the Melania body double thing that, remember? Yeah. I oh, thought yeah. she had been replaced. I'm still not convinced she wasn't. I don't, it could have happened for the purpose of the president having sex with an assistant in a hotel room. But the more general premise that they give, which is like sometimes for security, we hire a body double and mm-hmm. we send someone else out. Especially before the internet or even the cable news era. Don't you think at some point... Someone was sick. They just needed a, a diversion. I don't know. I'm I'm not willing to say it hasn't happened. I think it's possible. I don't think it ever to this extent has happened. Yeah, um, I don't agree with that. I'm not saying that it's, you know, they're probably among Nixon. us. Uh, second nitpick. Probably with Nixon. But who has a more distinctive face than yeah, Richard Nixon, yeah. too? That's a hard so one to replicate. What happened to Dave's temp agency during, like, the five months that he was the president? Faith Prince was crushing it. She was She was handling the phones. If I disappeared from the ringer for five months, at what point would you start wondering what the hell was going on? Shades of Grantland. Meanwhile, I looked exactly like the president. Uh, and, yeah, and, and you professionally, not professionally, but you pretend to be the president at various events around the D.C. area from time to time. Do you think they replaced him in the temp agency with Chris Connolly? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. I'm surprised it was still there at the end of the movie. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, brother. Um. I opened the door to that. I regret it. Yeah. Uh, you're right. It makes no sense. Dave literally well, disappeared. On. I guess maybe Charles Grove, maybe it's Charles. Temp well, he called, he called and said he met a gal and yeah. that he was in love and he was going to Hawaii to get married. She was Polynesian and, and American. She was amnesian. <laughs> That's one of the stickiest <laughs> lines in the whole movie. Um, but wait, is, is it really five months? The timeline here is another thing that is confusing to me. It is. It's, it's also like confusing because it, the movie is it's fall yeah. when the movie starts and then it's fall when the movie ends. Right. Well they say year. well no, they say at the end that once they switch Aru back to the real president, he's in a coma for five months before he passes away. They say that oh. in the voiceover because I was confused about the timing okay. and paying okay. attention. Okay. So intentionally ambiguous. Okay. Another nitpick. Yeah. Mitchell's stroke coma. A lot of people knew about that. Never leaked out. No rumors. Yes, this is the major thing. Let's talk about the payouts. Okay. So the payouts are... Extremely low. You always need to ask for more people. 50K, no. 50K, 100K, and one doctor asked to be the head of the CDC. This is what we learned in the conversation between Alan and Bob Alexander. That's just not enough money. The president had a stroke on top of his secretary? Yeah. And people know about it? You know how much money the National Enquirer would pay for that? That's a $5 million scoop. That's the biggest story in the history of American politics. It's a slight hole. Um, another one that I noticed on the 74th time I watched this movie. So Dave's wandering around on the balcony as President Mitchell looking out. And then he yeah. wanders over to see the wife. And he's looking out at the monument, all these places like. Security concern? Yeah. I had the what same thought. The sniper across the street like, oh, there's the president. <laughs> What? Wait, hold on. Let's go back to yeah. your thoughts on snipers. You think the snipers are just like on the White House lawn? No. I'm saying like where he was, you could have somebody who's a mile away with some gun who's like in some hotel or something that could see him in the balcony. I think they do have like roof and air rights under lock around the White House for just that reason. 
Uh, maybe. But I had the same thought. No way. Here's the only piece of data that I can offer you, which is from, the, as we all know, factual television show Scandal. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> on and Scandal, they would be out on that same balcony a lot. Like they used the Truman balcony. Oh. In a way that makes me think that maybe the first family actually can use it. They have the security things down. I don't know. Seems sketchy to or me. Or maybe. If if any readers no one's know paying the attention to the security concerns, yeah, email us. This is really not my biggest concern in okay. terms of nitpicks about a movie in which the president has a stroke and a okay. guy who looks like him becomes the president. Okay. I'm just going through my list. All right, the president and the first lady leave the White House, but then they are able to get back into the White House. That part's more unrealistic than them leaving the White House. What do you mean getting back into the White House? He, they pull up to the front gate and the guy's like, oh, it's you guys. It's like, how do you know it's you guys? These the, Somebody who looks like the president, what if it's not them? Well, it's not them because it's, it's certainly not, not him. It's yeah. not him. <laughs> Bad security. Yeah. President Mitchell's jobs program. What was it exactly? Everyone gets a job? Everyone who wants one. It was the Oprah plan. It's you get a car the new and you deal. get a car. How about that? It, well, <laughs> they make a direct comparison to, to FDR. Uh, I would say that this is probably the most unrealistic part of this movie. I think if a president came forward and said, every citizen of the United States will have a job under my plan, that person would be destroyed. That is like, that is not something that, that I don't well, they think. They laugh initially that they're like, oh my God, what is this guy? And then he does the, if you've ever seen the look on somebody's face the day they finally get a job yeah. speech. Let's play that. Have you ever seen the look on somebody's face the day that they finally get a job? I've had some experience with this. They look like they could fly. And and it's not about the paycheck. It's about respect. It's about looking in the mirror and knowing that you've done something valuable with your day. And if one person can start to feel that way and then another person and another person, then pretty soon all these other problems that we're facing may not seem so impossible. By the end of that speech, the press is in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great job, Mr. President. Everyone let's, should get a job. Let's underline some of the ideas over there. He runs a temp agency. Yeah. He doesn't run an agency that gives people full-time jobs. If you've ever gotten a, a temp job, and I have gotten a temp job, you know that you don't really want to sing from the rafters when you get a temp job because it's a fucking temp job. Those jobs yeah. suck. It's nice to get money, and it's nice to get some security, which is what he says it's not about. He says it makes you th- feel like you can fly. That's, I have some problems with that part of the speech, but it is moving. It's good acting. Um, why wouldn't Bob just let the VP take over and then bulldoze him? Well, because he, there's an expectation that maybe he would fire Bob. He's he would a, not keep him on. He's a scout. But he, maybe he wouldn't keep mm-hmm. him on as his chief of staff. So the better plan is just to get this random guy from the temp agency who looks like the president is going to be the stooge? Well, I don't, it's not really thought out. They don't know that he's going to have a strike. He just, they don't know he's going to have a stroke. He just sees an opportunity. Yeah. It's Bad a fa- plan. It's a fair point. Maybe you wonder about whether Bob Mitchell was really a good chief but of staff or not. We learned that Vice President Nance is a good and decent man and public servant, and he probably wouldn't suffer a, a devious fool like Bob Alexander mm-hmm. in his administration. Mm-hmm. Okay. Best quote, why can't you die from a stroke like everyone else? You're lint. You're a flea. You're a blip. I'm going to kill him. You can't kill a president. He's not a president. He's an ordinary person. I could kill an ordinary person. I could kill a hundred ordinary people. And then the uh, speech. I love that you're, you're lint, you're a flea, you're a blip. This is great. So insulting. Do you understand? You're nobody. I'm not nobody. You're lint. You're a flea. You're a blip. 
Don't ever say that to anyone, Sean. I, I say it to our staff every morning. I look everyone <laughs> in, directly in the eye. I look Craig directly in the eye and I say, Craig, you're lint. Could this be remade? New category. Could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix series? I'd say a thousand percent yes. This I'm is actually a, in on this. I would be in so, on this as a series. But how similar is it? Well, you make it to the, the 2019, 20 sure, version of it. Sure, but is it an optimistic comedy or is it like the story of a, a coup and a cover-up? And I mean, I think now you would make it like if Trump got replaced by a body double and was became a much better president. I actually think that would be a pretty interesting movie. And people are like, what's going on with this guy? I, I guess so, though. He's so I, eloquent now. I, right. But then that doesn't that inadvertently help Trump and kind of do some of the... Well, you just humanizing him, you mean? Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, or or it humanizes the policies and it's like, it's it's not the platform, it's not the administration that's the problem. It's just, we don't like this guy. So if we just found another guy, everything would be okay, which is sort of the underlying issue with this movie if you really think too hard about it, which you should not because it's a great movie. But it's this idea of... That's what we do in the rewatch. All you need is like a, a nice guy... And then he can be president and it'll be fine and the country will be great. Yeah. I don't know. I think it has to. This I still is believe a, in that. This is a, a little um, Pollyanna and a little pretentious. But I think the point of the movie and the reason that I compared it to a Frank Capra movie is because it is about ideas. It is about trying to use public office for good, for decency. Mm -hmm. And that is like the primary point of the movie is that if you disentangle the complications of politics, ego, money, vanity, sex, all the things that tend to distort people when they get power, you could do something good for people's lives. Now, not everybody sees government that way. Most yeah. conservatives right. do not. But if you believe that idea and you wanted to make a show like that, and that's kind of the sort of show that Aaron Sorkin tried to make. I mean, that really is what the West Wing is. He really believes in that. He's like a true believer in, you know, my dad went to school on the GI Bill. And that's something that happened because of the government. And because of that, he got educated. And then he had kids who were educated and more successful than him and so on and so forth. So if you buy all that stuff. Sure. But his president is like a Nobel Peace winning prize economist and also the most educated. And it's accused all the time in the show of being like uh, an elitist and too smart and, and too Barack experienced for his own good. No, but I'm just saying that he is infusing experience into his president. And I think the, the one part of the setup that would hit me the wrong way today is the the assumption that not the assumption but the implication that anyone can be president right that just right. like any guy as long as you have the right priorities you can be president i think that takes us down some rocky pass or possibly already has yeah it's complicated i'm not sure i mean i'm i'm a i'm not necessarily a believer in like the most privileged person getting the job no no, no. and i so. don't mean to equate like i you know a nobel prize with experience or the only way to be a president. But I just meant that this that Sorkin clearly thinks that you have to have experience mm -hmm. and have to have been a politician and have done that work to be president. Yeah, I think Dave would disagree. I, yeah. So yes or no, 10 episode Netflix series. No. I, I think I've answered no virtually every time on this category because I don't believe in it. I think we got Dave the movie. It's fucking amazing. I think it would just be very different and we might be bummed out by it. Okay. Probably an answerable question. Wait, what's your answer? I think it can be done. <laughs> okay. I, I like, I'm ready for another president series, just in general. Okay. Dave was divorced in this movie. Who would divorce Dave? He was such a good guy. What was wrong with that person? 
He's a little how do you, bit. Why do you think the marriage fell apart? He's a he little, was too idealistic for he, it? He's a charlatan, actually, I think is really the problem. He's a magic trick spewing charlatan. If you look at the way that he forces his friend to hire people to sustain his business, that's not really like, that's a complicated thing. So you think it was more, the divorce was more his fault? Well, I, we never get a chance to meet his <laughs> wife. He's a little flighty. I mean, he does kind of stumble into this arrangement without thinking too much about it. He's like, oh, sure. I get to sit in the chair and I'll be the president. Why not? Based- and he eventually realizes the responsibility that comes with that. But at the beginning, he's like, eh, you know, whatever. He seems impressionable. Based was, on his rendition of Oklahoma, bullshit. he may sing too much in the home, yeah. too. You think he's annoying? He could be annoying. Is a tough hang after like three years? Could be You're a like, tough. Is Dave a tough hang? <laughs> Great hang, tough hang. Uh, would Dave, when he was running for office, ever come clean that he was actually President Mitchell for five months? Would he ever do that as, uh, I've done this job. I was actually, you guys didn't realize it, but I was actually the president. You, you mean after he got me. elected as a councilman? Yeah. <laughs> like he's trying to be senator. You like, mean, I actually did this are job. You asking, That's a good question. Should he or like would he just by accident? Should he? Should he know? Because him? then he would be arrested as part, like for treason against the country. Would he? Like, Is that in true? The, would he be arrested for treason? No, or maybe not treason. I guess I don't know what the legal things are, but it's definitely not a legal series of it's events. I think isn't like impersonating a government official a, a crime? This is literally a coup. I don't mean to it be is like, a like explainery, but this is a, a coup. coup. It is a coup d'etat. So, you know, no one elected any of these people to, or allowed them to make any of the decisions that they're making. I think they did a great job, or at least Dave did. I but agree. it is technically a coup, so don't go around admitting it. The shower scene. Yeah. I have been preparing for this since you said we're doing a Dave rewatchables. <laughs> Based on the first lady's reaction. Mm-hmm. Was Dave more or less healthy than President Mitchell? I just, I want to kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, I don't understand her reaction. (laughs) It is coy. It is coy. Was it a whoa reaction or a what's going on reaction? It's just unclear. Well, and then it comes back later and he's like, was it the shower? And he's like, no, it was when you looked at my legs. I really, I thought you were going to do the latter. I thought you were going to do the shouldn't she have known. That's a very common male reaction, I find, to this movie. Oh, that she should know? Yeah, yeah. She should recognize Because there's it. a vast world of differentiation? Well, I, more to the fact that if they're married, she should be able to recognize. Well, I think if you've seen somebody naked for 30 years, and then there's somebody else naked, mm-hmm. I, it would be hard to completely match the nakedness of the other person. That's true. They haven't seen each other naked in a long time. True. There's, which is, I think, yeah. kind of what she, that reaction is like. It's possibly like something might be different here. I think she's impressed. I think she's genuinely impressed. My I don't know whether it's impression and and also confusion. Like, is this, this doesn't match up. But Huge X factor here that we're not yeah. addressing, which is he's in the shower. So there's some, some, some earthly components that are changing physiognomy. Yeah. So who knows how that affects it one way or another? I'm going with more, I, I'm going with impressed. What was, the, what was the phrase that you used? I said healthy. Healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who won the movie? Kevin Clyde. Can't believe this is a podcast. That was easy. Um, (laughs) Kevin Clyde won the movie. Yeah, I agree with you. Shout out to Ving Rhames, though. Yeah. Great Ving Rhames. Sure. Sure. Um, Make a stealth case for Ivan Reitman. I think just because this is the kind of movie that I just feel is just really hard to do and to have the right tone and could go wrong in so many ways. 
Is so this he's at least is this his last great movie? And that's not to besmirch the movies that came after this, but he made like a lot of movies. Like if you have Stripes and Meatballs and Ghostbusters and Twins and Kindergarten Cop, like that is well the for also, 80s like fun mm-hmm. comedy that is crowd pleasing and memorable. That's a pretty inc- incredible resume. But then after this, like he makes the movies like Six Days and Seven Nights and Evolution and it gets a little bit less impressive. As he he stopped older. really directing as much. I think after this, he did Junior in 94. No and bueno. then And then, I don't know, he's had made like a billion dollars at that point. He does also have a style that was very specific to a time period, as we have discussed throughout this podcast. And this is kind of the last confluence of those events. He, uh, he made two really interesting movies this decade that are never, I don't think will ever be rewatchables, but they're kind of funny, like him trying to get back to a time no Strings Attached and Draft Day, two movies that if they were released in like 1986 and 1988, probably would have been huge hits. Sports which one was No Strings Attached? That's the Mila, Mila Kunis, Ashton Kutcher, yeah. Did we ever decide which one was better between that one and the Ashton Kutcher one? I that No, that is the Ashton Kutcher one. What was Ashton, Ashton Kutcher? Oh, wait, Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman, yes. sorry. Yes. And Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake are friends with benefits. I believe that No Strings Attached with Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher is better. I think my wife I and yeah. my wife and daughter like both of those movies. I, I think they've aged really nicely. No Strings Attached is written by Liz Merriweather, who created New mm-hmm. Girl. The original script of that movie, which I read for some reason before it, was it came going out, around. I read it was as well, really funny. They, it, it was called Fuck Buddies, it, yeah, and it was really a good movie, or it could have been a good movie. Also appearing in No Strings Attached, Kevin Klein. Guys, let's just be honest with ourselves. Okay. We all like No Strings Attached. It's pretty <laughs> good. It's pretty good. It's not Dave, but it's you're, pretty good. You're in safe it's hands with Ivan Reitman. Like he doesn't make. He's never made a bad movie. Everything he makes is kind of entertaining. It's just Dave transcends something. I'll go further. I liked a couple Ashton Kutcher movies in my day. Wow. I liked a lot like Love. I thought it was really good. Is that Heard the one with Amanda Pete when they drive in Chicago? Great playing? music yeah, in that movie. Good. That's yeah. my wife's favorite. Random rom-com movie. I saw that movie on a date with a girl who I was dating right before my current wife. So that's I thought you were dating your current your wife. wife. Since, <laughs> I thought you were dating your- <laughs> my only wife, my beloved singular, truly only wife. She's I thought you've been with your wife since like fourth grade. Uh, were you on a break? No, it was not fourth grade. Uh, Seventh this, I think, grade. I think a lot like love came out in my junior year. Oh five. No, is it 05? Yeah. What movie am I thinking of then? Sean cheated on his wife with okay. a lot All right, like please, no. Crazy. No, 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 no. What is the movie I'm thinking of if it's what not a lot Ashton like Ashton Kutcher? So or Amanda Peet? That movie wasn't like 1998? No. No, I don't think so. No, it turns out I've ruined my marriage on this podcast. <laughs> 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 Shit. <laughs> lot Like Love had the Aqualung song. I don't I don't even remember that, a Lot uh, Like Love. Oh, what's the movie? I never met a mom before. What's the movie with Claire Forlani? Is that A Lot Like Love? No. That's what, the movie you're thinking of. What's that movie? I don't know, but A Lot Like Love is Amanda Peet. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what happens in the movie. I just remember the Chicago scene. Hold on. We're going we're gonna to find out what movie I'm talking I about. I think you would really like that movie. Which one? I think you would really a like lot A Lot Like Love. love. I've yeah. seen it. I no, just don't I mean, remember what happens. Okay. I'm thinking of Boys and Girls. What's that movie? With Freddie Prinze and Jason Biggs. Wow. That's the movie I okay. saw on a date. 1998. Tough beat. It's a good save. Tough beat. <laughs> As your attorney, I like I like what you did there. Oh, my I don't goodness. remember Freddie Prinz and Jason Biggs. Well, uh, you maybe weren't going on as many dates as I was back then. I was killing it. 1998. Loser with Jason Biggs is a movie that is not aged well. I would say that's aged top five worst out of 
But that had a great soundtrack, and I really liked that movie when it came out. And now it's like I don't even think it could be. Are we just doing Jason Biggs movies now? You seen American Pie? That's a great one. (laughs) Twenty year anniversary. That's right. Might be on the rewatchables. Wow. For all we know. Wow. What a tease! Interesting rewatch. Yeah. Um, That's it for uh, Dave. We've ended Sean's marriage. (laughs) We found out about (laughs) President Mitchell versus (laughs) Kevin Klein, who was healthier. Uh, We picked it apart. We figured out how to manage a budget. Yep. We solved the problem of American politics yeah. and destroyed my personal life. So this Great. is a really good podcast. Uh, next week on the Rewatchables is Reality Bites. Yeah. Reality Bites. And then a week after that is four weddings and a funeral. No, it's not anymore. Oh. What? Oh, no. Are it's we still doing canceled. it? No. Canceled? Canceled. What the hell? Canceled. <laughs> Why? How did this happen? Got canceled. Who canceled it? It got bumped. It didn't get canceled. Okay. Canceling is getting that. Okay. Got Postponed? bumped okay. to like 2029. All got, right. We're, we're going to have a conversation about this. It got bumped for Fletch. <laughs> okay. Yes. I'm going to do a solo Four Weddings and a Funeral Rewatchable like in your office as a sit-in. And it's just going to be me yelling about Four Weddings say, and a Funeral until you record it. One of the problems with Four Weddings and a Funeral oh, brother. is I'm not sure we have the second person for you for that movie. You might be the only one on the staff who really loves it. You I don't understand to, that. to go outside ringer circles It's one of the co-host. classic rom-coms. Yeah, four Weddings, One Funeral, and One Podcaster. Yeah. Maybe you solo it like Tom Hanks <laughs> and Castaway. I you do don't Castaway, like Four Weddings? But- I'm not a Hugh Grant guy. Wow, this is blasphemy. I I've mean, never been I just a Hugh Grant guy. You wait until after it. this podcast to tell me, so I wouldn't be upset. I don't. I don't get the Hugh Grant thing. I never understood why okay, he was in seven so straight movies. Can over we make four a years. deal here, like they do in American President? If I find someone who will do four weddings and a funeral rewatchables with me, can I do it? You need to get your Charles Grodin you to can, balance the budget. You can absolutely 100 percent do it. Okay, thank you. You might have to go outside Ringer circles. I will find someone. I just this is like I'm fired up about Fletch, so I don't yeah. really give a shit. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm angry. I'm angry, but I have a plan, so it's gonna be okay. All right. Uh Man of Dive and Sean Fantasy. Thanks as always. We will see you next week on the Rewatchables. Mm-hmm.